0: The other day as I was uh, driving home, down Merriman Road, a somewhat uh, beat-up car kind of pulled up beside me. It had some faded paint and a little rusty. The engine was a little loud. But the one thing that really caught my attention was it had a variety of bumper stickers on the back. Two of them just simply said, Jesus, on either side of the car. One said, real men love Jesus... To which I was wondering if I could get the guy's phone number. (laughs) And then another said, don't let this car fool you, but my real treasure is in heaven. Thought that was awesome. So let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for this beautiful morning and this opportunity to worship you. May our hearts and minds be quieted so that we may receive your word. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Our spring Bible study began a couple of weeks ago, and this year's session is going to be discussing a handful of stories out of our very own Bill Dunphy's Voices from the Word, available at Amazon.com in paperback or Kindle version. (laughs) Free shipping for you Amazon Prime members. So Pastor Kelly and I thought it would be kind of cool to preach on the stories that the Bible study was going to be discussing each week. And as luck would have it, I got to pick from the stories of King Saul or his son, Jonathan. But for me, I had a really difficult time separating Jonathan from David, from the David and Goliath fame, as I have always been really drawn to their friendship. So King Saul, Jonathan's dad, was Israel's first king dating all the way back to about 1050 BC. King Saul was chosen by God to lead his people and to lead his army, and he did a pretty good job of it for for a while. And a lot of his successes were attributed to the fact that he had such good soldiers and advisors, like his son Jonathan, as well as David. David was called into service with King Saul after he defeated the dreaded and giant Philistine, Goliath. And it was at this moment that Jonathan and David became friends. And here's how this moment reads from the book of Samuel. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner, who was the commander of Saul's army, took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David replied, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. After David had finished talking with King Saul, Jonathan's soul became tied to David's soul, and he loved him as himself. Almost instantaneously in this scripture, it seems, Jonathan and David became soul brothers, almost out of the blue. And the scripture reads almost as if it was kind of magical. And though at first glance, it may seem and feel a little far-fetched that two people could just suddenly become soulmates, but is it really? I'd be willing to bet there are many of you in this room right now who have relationships where you just cannot quite pinpoint or explain or describe the moment in which your soul became tied to that of another person. Now, some of us can describe those moments, like the first moment that you knew you were in love with your spouse because you saw them from across the room holding a friend's baby at a birthday party, or when they sang out of tune to a song on the radio as you drove to the movies. In that instant, you just knew. But then there are those other occasions where you just can't quite pinpoint how your soul became tied to someone else's, like your lifelong best friend with whom you have shared the ups and downs of life. You just don't know how they became your soul brother or soul sister, but still all that matters is that they are, and you can't imagine not having them by your side. About 16 years ago, I met one of my soul sisters in Christ, Katie, for the first time. Days before our meeting, I had just moved back to Michigan from having lived in Georgia and Ohio for a number of years. And unfortunately, our first meeting was at the funeral of her six-week-old daughter. Katie is married to my friend Mark, a good friend of mine with whom I had grown up with at church and in a youth group. Katie and Mark were receiving their guests at the funeral home. And after giving Mark a hug, I next approached Katie giving her a hug as well, saying my name, and explained that Mark and I were childhood friends from church. I know who you are, Katie said. And I just smiled and walked away. It wasn't until a couple of years later when I began volunteering in the youth ministry at my church that mine and Katie's paths crossed again. Katie was overseeing the youth ministry program at the time And soon we became pretty fast friends. And one night during a lock-in at the church with the kids, I asked her if she, by chance, remembered the first time we had met, to which she said, no. I was in no way offended by this whatsoever because after all, she was in the midst of one of the absolute worst moments of the human experience, and that's burying a child. So of course, She didn't remember meeting me. I would imagine grief was the only thing she remembered that week and beyond. So I went on to explain to her that I was intrigued by the fact that when I introduced myself to her for the first time at the funeral home, she said she knew who I was. To which Katie responded, well, then that must have been my soul speaking. Our souls knew one another before we did. Jonathan and David's souls, as it is written in 1 Samuel, also seemed to know one another before they did. So it wasn't long after David's great victory over Goliath, King Saul began to exhibit signs of what many biblical scholars believed to be that of mental illness. David, besides being a great and successful warrior, was also a wonderful musician having written and composed many of the psalms in our Bible. And he would play his harp for King Saul as a way to calm his mind. So David was necessary to Saul both on and off the battlefield. However, David's successes in battle began to enrage Saul as the people of Israel seemed to be more enthralled with David and gave him the accolades and the honors and not Saul thus filling him with jealousy to the point of wanting to kill David. And he even attempted to on a number of occasions, but never successfully. It's also during this time that King Saul made other unfortunate decisions that eventually led God to stripping him of his anointing and blessing and placing it on David instead. And the people knew it. Not only was God stripping the kingdom away from Saul, but from Jonathan as well. Yet Jonathan remained steadfast and true towards his sole brother David. He recognized God at work within him and knew his role was no longer that of heir apparent to the throne of Israel. Jonathan renounced his own kingship because he saw in David God's anointing and will at work. He loved his friend more than he loved power and prestige and chose to exhibit his power in another way, and that was through supporting and encouraging and protecting his friend, helping him to escape the wrath of his father Saul, thus ensuring the establishment of David's throne, the throne from which someday would come the Messiah. Jonathan's and David's friendship was one for the ages, so much so that we're still talking about it more than 3,000 years later. So it's my hope and prayer that you, too, have a friendship for the ages, a soulmate with whom you share life, whether it's your spouse or roommate from college or your next-door neighbor growing up, and if you're lucky, you've got more than one. And know that such deep, abiding friendships of the soul that meet you at your various needs of emotion as expressed within the human condition is a true gift from God. So is it any wonder then that Jesus Christ, God's one and only son from the line of David, spoke so lovingly and clearly about friendship more than any other human relationship? And that Jesus Christ calls us, first and foremost, friends. What if we started looking at friendship from the Jesus perspective? Almost as if it is a calling or an ordination. Something so special and sacred that it was composed by God himself. And you thought I forgot my scripture reading this morning, didn't you? So let's check out Jesus' words from the book of John. In the Gospel of John, I'm in the ninth chapter. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not in the ninth chapter. I'm in the 15th chapter, and I'm going to be starting at the ninth verse. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy in you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because servants do not know their master's business Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, and that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So I find it remarkable that within the context of this scripture and Jesus' words that he connects God's love for him to his love for us. Because we're friends. I have called you friends, Jesus says, for everything I have learned from my Father I've made known to you. It's like he's letting us in on a big giant secret of sorts. We're on the inside. We are in the know. God himself Jesus Christ has shared with us the secret of life to simply love one another as He loved us. And His reason? Because we're friends. And isn't friendship one of the first relationships we are exposed to outside of our family as young children? A friendship is one of the first places in which we learn to love another human being outside of the familial bounds. And it's in this context, in this category of friendship, that we see Jesus entering into our life. He uses the word friend because it's something that a vast majority of the world can identify with and identify with at a very young age. So often in the church, we are really good at using high and lofty words when it comes to Jesus, like Savior and Redeemer, and Messiah, words that are really difficult to sometimes kind of connect into our everyday life. Granted, Jesus did refer to himself as all those things, but he also referred to himself as friend. And isn't that a word that makes a little bit more sense to us? A word that is much more relatable? Yes, I do need a savior and I need. A redeemer, And I do need a Messiah, but on most average days, I just need a friend. Don't you? And it's way easier at times to understand Jesus through this context, is it not? And because his friendship is so powerful and filled with such love and hope and grace that as our relationship with him grows we can then more easily enter into that space of leaning on him as an all-powerful, all-knowing redeemer. Jesus also reminds us that we did not choose him, but he chose us. He picked us first to be on the kickball team. He picked us to be a part of his inner circle. And he has kind of chosen us to be one of the cool kids And in so doing, he's enabled us to be a part of his amazing work here on earth, to bear fruit that will last. In other words, to know that our good deeds and kindness and generosity will indeed grow and flourish in the lives of others. Like Jonathan's role in David's life, which assured the lineage of the coming Messiah a thousand years later, The role that you play in the life of your friends and family is just as valuable when you keep your eyes open to the will of God at play in your life and in the life of those you love. And how cool is it to be people that know our friend is the God Almighty and through his love and grace we get to have a part in making this world a better place. But like Jesus says, we cannot do it apart from him. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, Jesus said. Jonathan was willing to lay down his life for David and David for Jonathan. And we know Jesus laid down his life for us. Jesus did exactly what he said he would do, and now we are the recipients of that incredible sacrifice and that incredible expression of love. If only we have eyes to see it and hearts that choose to believe it. Jesus loves me, this I know. And why? For the Bible tells me so. The Bible also tells us that we are redeemed. That we are forgiven, that we're saved, that we are beloved children of God, and that Jesus is our friend. A friend indeed for the ages. Amen.